Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hey, you guys. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm Megan Dwyer. So today is the beginning of May, and I decided that for the month of May, I'm going to do a theme, and I'm going to do a theme of motherhood. I'm going to share some really cool conversations that I've had with some incredible women recently who are on a mission to guide and support moms in their own unique ways. And to kick it all off, today I'm sharing my conversation with Tara Clark, author, podcaster, and the creator of Modern Mom Problems. Tara is just amazing. And this was such a refreshing and raw conversation about all the struggles that moms deal with. It's all the real stuff that you want to talk about when you get together with your friend. It's so good. It's so juicy. So let me tell you guys a little bit more about Tara. Tara Clark is the author, speaker, content creator, podcaster, and founder of Modern Mom Probs. After becoming a mom and recognizing a hole in the online space for moms to authentically connect, she launched her Instagram account in 2017. She since built a valued community, solidifying herself as a humorous, trusted voice in the parenting space. Tara is the host of Modern Mom Probs podcast, where she seeks to find solutions for modern mom problems by interviewing medical experts, therapists, popular content creators, and authors, including New York Times bestselling authors, Dr. Shafali, who I am a huge fan of, and Eve Rodsky, who I am also a huge fan of. She's just incredible. This podcast is amazing, you guys. You absolutely have to check it out. In our conversation, Tara and I talk about why it's so hard to find mom friends. We talk about the danger of should and why it's important to manage expectations in motherhood. We talk about how self-care and flexibility are very much intertwined. And we also talk about Tara's personal mental load checklist that she put together. You guys can follow Tara on Instagram at Modern Mom Probs, her website, modernmomprobs.com. Her podcast is Modern Mom Probs, and her book is Modern Mom Probs. She makes it very simple and easy for you to find her. So you guys absolutely have to check her out. She's just an absolute delight. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the beautiful Tara Clark. Enjoy. Hi, Tara. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be chatting with you. I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to meet a couple of weeks ago. We both have very similar missions of supporting and encouraging women so that they can live life on their own terms. So I know this is going to be an incredible conversation. So let's get into it. Let's I would, do it. I would love to start by having you tell everyone about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So my name is Tara Clark. I am a married mother of one 10 year old son, and I'm the creator of Instagram's Modern Mom Probs, where I, as you mentioned, create content and share content that intends to do two things. One, try to find solutions for modern mom problems and to um, inspire and empower women so that they know that they're not alone in their motherhood journey. What made you want to do this? What made you start this? So I started it an Instagram account back in 2016. And I remember telling my friends and family, I'm going to start an Instagram account about family. 
and eventually I'm going to monetize it. And and in 2016, like no one was doing that. They're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, 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 it's going to be a thing. Trust me. And there happened to be like a shiny new website that came out at the same time. It was called Canva. And now everyone knows what Canva is, but in yes. 2016, it, it was new. And um, so I started creating content um, on Instagram and because I was living in New York City at the time and it was very lonely and I did not have a lot of mom friends. Uh, I had hardly any at all. And so I wanted a way to have a creative outlet and meet some people and use these shiny new websites. And it sort of all came together. And that's how I created my account. And now in 2016, it actually had a different name. It was NYC Mom Probs. And I moved out of New York City in 2017. Actually, no, it was the fall of 2016. But in 2017, I had this existential crisis where I was like, oh, I don't have New York City mom problems anymore. Um, what kind of problems do I have? And so I was like, I have modern mom problems. And so I changed the name and then the account just blew up from there. And uh, and here we are now, several years later. It's awesome. The account's so fun to Thank watch. You. Why do you think it blew up like it did? I think... For a couple of reasons. One, when I changed the name that it wasn't like a geography based name uh, and I went to modern mom problems, everyone's like, yeah, I have modern mom problems. And so it really resonated with people. But when I started the account, I was really focusing more on jokes and like first world problems of moms, whether it's like overpriced lattes and going to Target and and all of those silly kinds of things that Mm. we do as modern moms. But then the, the account evolved and I was talking more about serious topics, um, mental, the mental load of motherhood, maternal mental health issues, pregnancy loss, all of those things that people really weren't talking about several years ago, we started to to bring it to the forefront. And now so many people are talking about it and I'm so glad that they are. Um, but that's how the account evolved over time. So it went from like joking about a certain type of mom problems to more serious real world mom problems. Relatable, relatable. Mm-hmm. I feel like the more vulnerable you are sharing your stories and what you're going through, the more, more attractive it is to other people. Cause they want to feel like, you know, they, that somebody else can relate to them with mm-hmm. in what they're going through. And especially those early stages of life or those early stages of, of momming. It is, uh, I can totally relate to that feeling of loneliness and feeling like you don't have that village that they always say you need. So Mm -hmm. I can completely understand why, you know, the having that, having somebody out there to feel like they're supportive of you and understand what you're going through is, is just so cool. It's just so nice to finally have that. And then it became a podcast and a book as well. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to what you were saying, it's like, since I didn't have an in-person village, I decided to create my own digital village and then yes. it kind of just went from there. And I'm, and I'm glad that uh, I had the opportunity to do that. So through those opportunities, I was able to, uh, secure a book deal and write a book. And so my book is, is called modern mom probs, a survival guide for 21st century mothers. And in it, I outline 99 problems so I say I got 99 problems, but motherhood ain't one. And uh, the it. book is is just like the the account in as much as like it's information and it's funny and it's inspirational and it's empowering. And uh, I talked with leading therapists and doctors and uh, I had Dr. Becky on it before Dr. Becky was Dr. Becky. I love um, Dr. Becky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this was this was like back in 2020 when I wrote this and she was just getting her account started at that time. And so, yeah, it's, it's a great book. And now, I mean, 
geez, I wrote it three years ago. So it seems like a really long time and it seems outdated, but I'm sure it all still applies. And uh, last April, I launched the Modern Mom Probs podcast and say that three times fast. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I get to interview amazing people like you. And I get to interview people like Eve Rodsky and Dr. Shafali and all kinds of awesome content creators and authors and people who are willing to talk about mom problems. I love it. I love that. I mean, it just, that's the thing. Like when I go on on a run, I put on podcasts just like yours. I love your podcast, by the way, because it, again, it is so relatable and I, that's the stuff that I want to hear. I want to, I don't, I don't want to hear like the success stories, to be honest. I mean, those are great and those are inspiring, but I want to hear it from people who are in it just like I am and going through the same stuff, the same struggles, the same emotional roller coaster that we're all on. So it's, it's awesome. One of the things I want to ask you your thoughts on, and we just each kind of touched on it a little bit, is this kind of concept of like how, why it's so hard to find mom friends. I have my own takes on this, on the the reason why, but I want to hear yours. I want to know why, why, why is it besides the concept of that, you know, the village doesn't exist anymore. I mean, that's sort of the obvious. Why is it in your mind that we struggle to find mom friends? Like, why is it so hard? It is hard. It's really hard. And I like to think back to when my son was an infant, he was in daycare. And that's when and where I started to make my first mom friends. And thank goodness for that, because if he wasn't in daycare, I still don't know how I would have made friends at that point. Um, And so there was this one woman, Laura, and I saw her drop off her son. And I realized that they were in the same baby room together. And I said to myself, I'm going to be friends with her. Like, I just knew it, you know, like you could like sort of like scout somebody and I was like, she and I are going to be friends. And so at one point I got my courage up and I went up to her and I introduced myself and I said, oh, our sons are in the same class together. And then we found out ultimately that the boys are actually like three days apart. Um, They were both born in November and, uh, and then she and I hit it off and then we were like really good friends, like all through the time that the kids were in daycare together. And it just took me the courage to just say like, you know what, like, I'm going to talk to her and and I'm going to be friends with her. And that also happened when my son had started his kindergarten class. I saw this one mom and I was like, I'm going to go talk to her. And I did the same thing. And Kelly and I are best friends now ever since. Um, So I think sometimes it's stepping out of your comfort zone, especially when you see a mom who is also by herself. It's much harder when you approach a group of women, because it seems like that group of women is an established group. So it's very challenging many times to introduce yourself to an established group. It's much easier to go one-on-one and then you could kind of go from there. Cause then once you're a duo, then you can introduce yourself to other people and then you become an established group, but it is hard to be the one person introducing themselves to a group. So I can relate to that more than you even know. I have a story. So when my youngest, so my kids are six and four, when my youngest was a baby and I was on maternity leave, I struggled. Like I had, I had some postpartum stuff going on with him that I didn't really have with my first child, which everything is different, right? Your whole world is different and circumstances are different. So I really struggled at that time in my life with the kind of isolation and the the aloneness. And I remember one day I took him to the mall and I was carrying, I had him in the little baby Bjorn carrier and I walked through Nordstrom and I was just walk, just literally going to take a walk, walk around the mall. And right outside Nordstrom, there was 
I, I'm literally, by the way, this is like a Wednesday at like 11 AM. So there's nobody there except for retired people and moms. And I walked out and there was a bunch of moms all with strollers and babies just sitting at these tables. And I recognized one of the girls, one of the girls I knew from high school or something like that. And so I felt at the time, like I was going to have the courage to just go up and say hi to her and thinking, okay, maybe this is my chance. Maybe she'll introduce me to all these people. Maybe she'll invite me to sit down. (laughs) Maybe like whatever. And I went up and I just said, hi. And I, and I literally was like, oh, wow, I feel like I should join you guys because I have a baby too. (laughs) They were all just like, hi. They didn't say anything else. They didn't say anything else. I remember like, okay. I remember literally remember saying, okay, I'll see you later. Just walked away. And I I walked completely, I think I walked around the complete opposite side of the mall because I'm like, I cannot go back that way to go to my car. I mean, it was it was one of those like intimidating, terrifying, you know, I felt shame afterwards because I was like, I'm just not good enough. But deep down when you really think through it now, and I haven't thought about this experience in a very long time, I'm sure all those moms were just as insecure as I was at that time and just, and struggling just as much. And that's why they needed the comfort of kind of that group, the, that mentality, but, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a day. (laughs) I, I, it breaks my heart to hear that story because like, I feel like I was there. I feel like I was like a witness watching that situation happen as you're describing it, because it's so real. That is so relatable. Yeah. Yeah. I used to see, um, the, I guess in, in New York city at the time, there was like meetups where like moms would meet up and they would get together and, and they would walk through central park. And I would always be walking by myself several paces behind these people that were in a group in a meetup. And I was like, gosh, how are they doing that? Like, yeah, what, what, what is that? And, but I was always too shy to join an already established group. So my advice there is unless it's something that's sort of starting from the ground up, try to stick with the one-on-ones until then you could establish your own group because the dynamic is just simply different. Yeah. There was also people in New York city that they would work out in central park with their babies together. So in addition to the meetups where they would just like walk in the strollers, people would like stop and then like, I don't know, do push-ups and and that kind of stuff uh, in the park at the time. And I was like, God, that's so cool. I wasn't doing that, but I could have done that. But again, I was intimidated how, how you said, like, it, it's intimidating to put yourself out there. It's very raw to put yourself out there and say, Hi, I'm, I'm a new mom. I have lost my identity. <laughs> you know, like there are these things that I'm struggling with right now on a personal level. And so I think that really does hinder sometimes the, the friendship, but really it should be just the opposite. People should also say, Hey, you know what, Tara? I too am struggling with those things. Let's talk about it. Sit down on the bench. But like I said, from my personal experience, those conversations happen when it's one-on-one and not you joining a group of five other women. Yeah. It's finding that safe place, right? Something that you feel comfortable with that will help you kind of build that confidence. And you know, what's interesting, and I think this is kind of a good segue into another thing I want to get into, but during that time for me, that was a really, really hard time, hard period for me because I was dealing with the, you know, postpartum emotional stuff with my son, but it was my second, not my first. And so I wasn't, you just touched on something like, you know, I'm a new mom. I wasn't a new mom. And so I told myself this story that I should know what I'm doing by now. I would go to, I remember talking to people and they're like, oh, go to this mom's class. 
it's, it's a group of moms that meet up whatever Tuesdays at 10 AM or something like that. And there's somebody that runs it and I know people who do it and everything. And I went there one time and it was all brand new moms. And I felt like I was a hot mess. Like I was a hot mess. All of them, all these other women had babies that were a little bit older than mine. I mean, mine was only a couple of weeks old at the time. And again, I was struggling during that time. And they seemed like they, you know, they were talking about getting ready to go back to work. They were talking about like how great they were at breastfeeding and like how their ba- their babies were like little chunks. Mine was this tiny little thing. And I struggled with that, of course, the feeding thing. And I, I was, I was just a mess. And I felt like, wow, okay, these are, this is their first baby and look at how great they're doing. And I should know what the shoulds, this is what I'm saying. The, the stories come up that I should know what I'm doing now. Cause I've been through this before. And so that just makes the shame even worse because I tell myself that it should be a certain way. And I am, there's something wrong with me. Right. So I feel like, you know, a lot of women must do that too. Right. We, we yes. build these stories up in our heads that make us be like, okay, well, of course they don't want to be my friend now because I'm a, I'm a giant mess. Right. They, I, what do I have to offer them? <laughs> yeah. I'll let you in on a secret. We're all giant messes. And some of us just happen to either hide it better or overcompensate in other ways yeah. to then put up that mask to protect ourselves. And so I'm sure I would have felt exactly the same way as you would have sitting in that class. We could have been sitting next to each other and yeah. still been thinking that same thing. Right. And, and that's why I'm glad that we have platforms where we're able to talk about this kind of stuff now, because that was so isolating. And, and for me, when I went to, this is going to sound crazy, but it's true. When I went to the mommy and me classes, when my son was young and we lived in New York city, I was the only mom at these classes because- all of the other children came with their nannies. And so I was taking these classes for my son's enrichment, obviously music classes and movement classes. And I was the only mom and all of the nannies were hanging out with each other. And I was Mm. like, this is really awkward. And of course, like, you know, you strike up a conversation with the nannies, but it's not quite the same thing of saying like, Oh, how's he sleeping at night? How's he eating all of those kinds of things. And uh, that was very isolating too. It was a very unique experience. And that goes into why I started the account called NYC mom probs, because that is a different thing from people in other parts of the country, Um, good, bad, or indifferent. But um, that was very isolating for me too. So I was trying to make the effort to go to these mommy and me classes and being the only mommy there. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's hard because you want to be able to have those kind of like the deeper relatable conversations. You want to talk about like the birth and the pregnancy and all this other stuff. And like the nannies can't really mm-hmm. give you that. Right. No, and- because they're talking to each other about, you know, their charges, you know, about the the families that they're, they're working with. Yeah. So you're just not yeah. having those deeper conversations. Well, that's, I was just going to say that, I mean, I felt like if you, even now, right. I could be at a playground and you might see other moms and uh, that are there, other parents. And sometimes it's like the conversations are just, I, I have no problem approaching somebody, but I'm somebody who absolutely loves deep conversation. Like I don't care who you are. I could just meet you. I want to know about your childhood trauma. I want to know about all the stuff that's going on that makes you, you right now. Right. I love that. Sometimes it's very hard to get that out of people. Like I've had, a, again, I've had moms that I've said, Hey, you want to go for a run and we'll go for a run. And it's like surface level conversations. Like, 
I want to share, I want to talk and I try to talk to hope to elicit that back. But like, sometimes you just don't get that back. And that's, that, that I think is a frustration for me. That's why I have the podcast, you know, similar to you. I mean, I, I think I started it because I wanted to have those conversations and I want people to, again, feel like they aren't alone in, in all of this stuff because this isn't easy. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's not. I, I tell my son sometimes that all of my friends live on the internet and it's not that I don't have friends yeah, in real life. I, I yeah. do have a handful of good friends. And when I say a handful, it's a very small handful of, of good friends, but I love the opportunity to chat with people from all over the country, all over the world, from different backgrounds and different experiences. And then when we chat, we realize like, yeah, we're all human. You know, we all struggle with exactly. different things. And many of us struggle with the, exactly the same things. Maybe not necessarily at the same time, but I know what it's like to have postpartum anxiety. I know what it's like to be the only one sitting in a mommy and me class alone. And, and you're so desperate for human contact because you've been at home with your child all day long talking to nothing but a baby or not even talking at all. And, and you're just like, I want to talk to somebody and then you don't have the opportunity to to talk to anybody at all. And so I am with you and I know, and there are tons of moms out there listening right now saying, yes, that's me. I understand. I go to the playground by myself and I want to connect and everyone's sort of like in the silo, I think thinking the same thing at the same time. Yeah. And I think we also put this, these unrealistic expectations on ourselves of what that mom friend should be. Right. I know I had to have it be a certain way. It's like you wanted it to be perfect or it shouldn't exist at all. So I was putting these like contingencies, I suppose, on it. The the mom has to have uh, two kids. The mom has to have kids in these grades, has to have, you know, one boy and has to have this. And I'm, and then I realized like, this is ridiculous. I just want someone to talk to, <laughs> you know, but you want it to be perfect. You want it to be this magical experience, <laughs> but you know, you got to lower the expectations, like lower the bar a little bit. Exactly. I mean, I think the whole thing about parenting in general is managing your expectations, whether it's for yeah. your children or for yourself or for your friendships, right? It's so important to manage expectations so that we're we're not let down in certain things. Like you said, like you think that you're going to have this perfect relationship with all of your friends and different things happen. I'll give you a quick example. When we moved from the city to the suburbs, my son started in a new preschool and he immediately made friends with, with this one boy. And I immediately hit it off with his mom. And I was so happy. And that's usually how it works with me is that I get very close with my son's friends, moms. Um, And then about two years into the relationship, the boy started like really bullying my son and saying these horrible things, like things that he must've heard from older people. Like he has an older brother. So like, cause no three-year-old, four-year-old child would have been saying those things. He had to have heard them somewhere else. So anyway, so then he was saying them to my son and that made it really awkward for my relationship with his mom. Yeah. Because then she and I became good friends. She and I, she was probably one of the only friends I had in my new town until then he started the elementary school. And then we, that opened up the the floodgates for new mom friends because elementary school is so much bigger and you have so many more opportunities to meet and make acquaintances with people. But that's another thing that goes into mom friends is if you're friends with your children's friends, parents, you have to navigate the sometimes choppy waters of their own relationships. And so ultimately they ended up moving away, which really was sort of a blessing yeah. because it sort of just took care of that relationship all altogether. But 
it was dicey. It, it's hard to be friends with someone who you know is treating your son like garbage. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There's so many examples, I think, like that too, of like, you know, little like awkward moments, you know, like if my four-year-old was over somebody's house and, you know, the mom I get along with really well. And then the, my kid, like, you know, would do something stupid and you feel bad. Like you feel bad that like, oh crap, like I didn't want this to get in the way of anything or you to think differently about me and my son or whatever. And, but I'm sure it's the same way for everybody. I mean, it, it is, you know, it is because they're the four-year-olds are learning and they're growing and they're developing. And so they're working through their own stuff. Right. And yeah. so that's the first thing that we should mention, you know, is like, they're, they're learning, they're new to this world. They don't know everything and we right. don't know everything. And so it's our job to help them learn and grow and develop. But sometimes navigating those parental relationships can be really challenging. Yeah. Can I segue a little bit? This isn't yeah. really, it's not too far off. It's pretty similar actually, because all of these concepts I think are, are all related, but let's talk about self-care for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I know this can be kind of a loaded topic because it has different meanings for everybody, but how do you define self-care? Yeah, that is uh it is a loaded topic. Um, I could talk about self-care for like a really long time. So I'll try to keep this brief. Yeah. Um, I think the most important thing about self-care is you. And what I mean by that is whether it's saying no to things that don't fill your cup or recharge your batteries or saying yes to those things that do recharge your batteries. That's the most important thing. And going back to something that a conversation that you and I had had before is about flexibility, right? Self-care and flexibility, I think are really intertwined because when you have flexibility in your schedule and in your life, you are able to work in more self-care. What do I mean by that? If you have a partner, and your partner is willing to take on some of the load of the work that you have at home, then you're flexible enough to be able to do the things you like. Then you could go for a run. Then you can go out for avocado toast with your girlfriends. And yes, it, you're like, yes, please. Um, <laughs> and so I think flexibility really comes into the concept of self-care because if you have an inflexible schedule. Therefore, you can't create more time in the week, right? You can't create more time in a day. Uh, and that's where people start to struggle. I think of my mom. She, My parents were divorced when I was two years old and my mom worked 120 hours for probably 20 years. She's one of the hardest workers I've ever met. She still works now. And her schedule was inflexible. And therefore, she did not have time for self-care. She was barely able to take a shower when she came home from her shift to get a few hours of sleep. By that time, I was waking her up in the morning so that she could drive me to school, right? That's a very inflexible schedule. So if we're able to, given our situation, build in a certain level of flexibility, I think that can lead towards more self-care. And then also having the awareness, like I said before, of what recharges your battery, what is in energy suck and does just the exact opposite and drains your battery. And so um, those are my biggest insights on, on self-care. And, and it doesn't have to be 
paid. It doesn't have to be getting your nails done. Right. Um, I like to do my nails myself. So I, I, I buy um, a particular brand of, of nail polish and I like to sit and do my nails. Right. So like, that's something that, that I like to do, but it doesn't have to be a manicure. It doesn't have to be a massage. It doesn't have to be getting your hair, hair done and nails. And like, yes, that stuff is amazing and it's wonderful, but having the flexibility to be able to do those things is the privilege. And that's where it, it all sort of goes into together. Yeah. And I think there's, that's so well said. I think what comes to my mind here is the internal pressures that we put on ourselves. And yes, there are pressures. There's cultural pressures, there's expectations, right? But I think we internalize so many of that. And I think we can be our own worst enemy. And we tell ourselves that we have to do so many things that we don't question. Like, why don't we question these things, right? What, because we just say, I have to do it. I have to do it. But like, why do you yeah. actually have to do it? And yeah. and why do you feel like you have to do that, right? So if it's just doing something just for the sake of doing it, then again, that's inflexible. It's not allowing you to build a little bit more freedom into your life. And I that's a feeling for me, freedom that I, I constantly crave. I tell myself I have to be at my computer at work Monday through Friday, nine to five. And I give myself like a little bit of a break to go walk the dog at lunch. And if I'm not on during those hours, then I feel that guilt. And then after five o'clock, then I have to flip the switch to mom mode and I have to go right into parenting. And when do I get that break? When do I build in that break for myself? Right. And that I realize is all in my own head. That's my own way of thinking that's limiting myself. And so then you can fall and easily fall into this victim mindset where you're like, well, everybody needs me all the time. When do I have to take care of myself? What was me? Right. And that's a crappy way to feel. It I don't want to, I don't want to feel like fine have your own pity party. Great. But like, eventually it doesn't feel good to do that. So you don't want to do that anymore. So I think you're right. I mean, building yourself giving yourself the ability to have flexibility. And with that probably comes boundaries, Mm -hmm. right? It comes intentionality behind your time um, and your money. And again, you know, to, to your point, you know, determining who you are and what you even like to do, like what recharges your battery? What does that for you? What, what, what gives you that re-energizes you and gives you that excitement to get through the day, right? Sometimes it can be so draining. Sometimes you wake up and you're just like, what am I even doing today? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And even the, those things that recharge your battery could be something mm-hmm. as simple as like saying no to the PTA. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be, oh, you know, I'm recharging my battery because I'm getting a facial. It's like, no, if the PTA asks you to, um, you know, pick up oranges for this particular event that you're having and, you know, it's just simply you can't fit it into your schedule. You can't fit it in from a mind space perspective. Then you just say no. And so the recharging your battery thing could be, you know, it really runs the gamut. It, it is not just those typical self-care things. It can be, like yeah. I said, saying no to obligations. And it could be saying no to the mom guilt and the shame that we feel. Uh, because I'm, this, I'm the same way, how you described about sitting at your computer and you're like, I have to do this and I have to do that. And I do the same thing myself. And then sometimes I'm like, no, no, I don't. And actually my husband's better about that than I am. He works from home a few days a week. And he'll tell me like, no, you don't have to do that. Get up, go, go for a walk, get outside, get some fresh air. And it's important to have a reminder of that because I think we get into our own heads so often. 
Absolutely. Yeah. We are so caught up in our own heads and you need to pull ourselves out of it every so often because that brain just doesn't stop moving. Right? Mm-hmm. And again, like you're, it's tr- the brain's trying to protect us. It's trying to keep us safe. So it wants us to kind of stay in this fight or flight, stressful, overwhelmed mode, because that's just what we're used to, unfortunately. So yeah, there's a lot there. A, a similar way, you talked about the mental load and you on your website have a mental load checklist. Can you tell everybody a little bit about this, why you created it in the first place? I just think it's awesome. And I'm totally going to print it out and use it with my husband because our communication is, it goes in phases. Sometimes it's better than others. And right now we're in a phase where it's not so great. So this, I think is a really cool tool. Yeah. So I don't have to tell you that mothers are overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that we take care of and that we are, and I'm using this in quotes, supposed to be taking care of. We have to worry about RSVPing for our birthday parties. And then you have to buy the gift for the birthday party. You have to buy a card for the birthday party. You have to buy the gift wrap for the birthday party. You have to drop off your child at that birthday party. You have to pick him up from the birthday party afterwards and all of those things, right? And that's just one example. And and we do that times a hundred every day, every week, every year. Yeah. And so thinking through that, I knew that in my own house, my husband and I were, like you said, like having some issues with that kind of stuff. And, and I felt so overwhelmed with having to do all of the things. Um, and I said, let me sit down and write a checklist of the different activities and tasks that he can take on versus me. And since he's become more aware of it, and because this is more of a conversation that we are now having out in the open from a society perspective, he's been so helpful yeah. and it is really helped us as a family. And we now have like certain things that he always does. And I always do, for instance, he more often than not will cook dinner at night. I, I like to cook. I mean, I don't love to cook. I actually like, I mean, I'll cook if I have to, which is like, (laughs) I have to because we need to eat, Um, but he doesn't mind it. Right. So, so he'll cook and then I'll clean up the kitchen or, you know, he'll take out the garbage and then I'll do the laundry. And so we each have our thing that we work on. And then even for, you know, for my son, there are certain things now that because my husband is aware of it, he's like, oh, I'll do that. Don't worry. And so that's stuff that without awareness just always fell on me Yeah, and will continue to fall on moms unless they speak up about it. On my podcast, I had two amazing people. It's Dr. Stephen Mitchell and his wife, Erin Mitchell. And they talked about how to speak with your spouse about the mental load, like how to have this conversation. And we sort of like role played it a little bit because it's a really sticky conversation to have if you've never brought it up before, because it could lead to a lot of resentment from one way or the other, right? Because if as the wife, you're having this this conversation saying like, I feel like I'm doing everything. And then the husband can say, well, I'm paying for everything. And so it can be a really challenging, yep. challenging discussion to have. So that's a great episode. And like I said, Erin uh, and Steven talk about this a lot on their Instagram page. They're, I'm trying to think what their account is. I think it's, par- uh, it's couples counseling for parent. That's what it is. Couples counseling for parents. And so they talk about that. And so once I had a conversation with them, I said, you know what? I'm going to make my own mental load checklist. And I did. And so now it's on my website. So check it out. 
And it's really cool. I'm actually looking at it right now. I mean, there's things on here that you wouldn't even think about, right? Like like activities, who's going to schedule them? Who's going to sign up, sign them up for it? Who's going to lay out the uniforms, right? That's something. I can't tell you the number of arguments we have had because we couldn't find my son's soccer shirt like 30 minutes before he had to be at the soccer field. And as we find out, it's dirty or it's in the wash, whatever. And it's just caused this whole thing. I feel like doing something like this just sets the expectations. And it also brings to awareness, both, both parties here, how much there actually is to get done. Like how much has to actually get done. When you see it written down on a sheet of paper, you're like, pages. Oh my gosh. And it could have kept going. I mean, just the example I gave you about the birthday party right there. I think I may have rattled off five or six things and that's just surrounding your child attending his friend's birthday party on yes. a Saturday morning. Yes. And I and I think again, setting the expectations reduces resentment and frustration and ability for arguing because it's written down. It's clear now that like this is what you're gonna do, this is what I'm gonna do. Whereas like in our house, a lot of these things are just unspoken. It's mm-hmm. just like you do this, I do and and sometimes my husband will do something and sometimes I will do the same, the same thing, right? Like notify the school of early pickup. Sometimes he sends the email. Sometimes I send the email, but it's just like in the moment when we're scrambling and we're stressed out and that that's, who's going to do it. And not to say that, like, maybe I'm busy or I'm in a meeting and, and we need to send an email to, to a teacher or somebody. And he couldn't pick up, pick that up for me in the meantime. But like, that's just at least knowing like knowing our roles and like having roles, I think. And that that's, I think, one of the things that we struggle with. It's just chaos. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. I mean, that happens in like family after family that I speak with about that. They they say the same thing. It's sort of just all over the place. And, and unfortunately, sometimes like society doesn't necessarily help with that too. I'll give you an example. Several months ago, I was out to lunch during the day with a friend of mine and my husband was working from home that day and my son had a sick stomach. So the the school called me, but for whatever reason, my phone wasn't working properly and it wasn't, it was just like going through to voicemail. Luckily I have like an Apple watch. And so I was able to see finally that they had called me and I picked up and they said, your son's sick. Can you come pick him up? And I said, sure. And they were like, yeah, we've been trying to call you for two hours. And meanwhile, my oh, husband no. was home and he was like spinning or something like that. And like, they never called him once. Yeah. And so it's like, that's the frustrating thing sometimes about, and it's not that they don't have his number. Obviously he's listed as like, you know, parents too, but that's the frustrating thing about the mental load sometimes. And so like, I cut my lunch short, of course, that doesn't matter. You know, picked up my son and, yeah. and he was okay. But it was the stress of knowing that he sat there for two hours in the office. I don't know why my cell phone didn't work. And I don't know why they didn't call my husband, but those are just the things that sometimes we as moms have to contend with it's never going to be perfect, right? Like you do the best you can and you try to have something like this that helps you keep yourself organized, but it's never going to be perfect. There's that's life. Like, I mean, and I, I know I feel like we've had similar situations like that. Every family goes through things like that. And it's just like a communication thing. And sometimes like, you know, you can't get a hold of somebody or whatever, like technology isn't perfect either. So we have to kind of again, address this with self-compassion, forgive ourselves, know that, you know, he was safe. He wasn't, you know, outside in the cold (laughs) waiting for you. You know, it's, I think having something like this, at least like 
it helps to get to guide you. It's just a good start. I know it is. It's going to be for us anyway. As soon as I print this out, um, yeah, I'm glad to hear that the conversation this weekend. So, oh my gosh, this has been such an amazing conversation. I'm such a fan of you. I mean, you've done such an awesome job with growing the account and I'd love to just have you tell everyone how they can find more about you and, and read the book, of course. Oh, thanks, Megan. Really, it was it was so nice to be here and chat with you about all this kind of stuff. So like I said, I'm Tara Clark, and you could find me on Instagram at Modern Mom Probs. And my website is modernmomprobs.com. I'm actually in the process of revamping that. So maybe by the time you're listening to this, it may be all done. Um, and my book is Modern Mom Probs and listen to my podcast also by the same name. So um, it's so good. This I'm all about branding, awesome. right? So it's the one thing where it's all the all the same Simple. stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah, have to come check it out. Be part of our community. Absolutely. Yeah. The just shout out for the podcast. It's awesome. It's wow. it, she has some awesome guests. And uh yeah, everyone out there should go check it out. So thank you so much. This has been such an amazing conversation. To be continued. We'll do this again soon. One hundred percent, yes. Absolutely. Thanks for awesome. having me.